0: Hi, I'm Sandy, and this is episode 14 of my Quarantine podcast. The next minute hasn't changed, but if you haven't listened to it for a while, why not remind yourself of how good it was? I live in Cefalu, a small town in Sicily, but right now I can't leave my apartment, thanks to COVID-19. What I can do, fortunately, is talk to people all over the world, and that's mostly what I've been doing. I started with friends and now it's evolved into the needlessly complicated task of making it to 100 people in 100 countries. You can find out how I'm getting on at www.quarantinepodcast.com or follow me on Twitter at Quarantinepod. If you enjoy it, and I hope you do, you can help me out by spreading the word. Please share the site, say nice things about the podcast on your platform of choice. And if you live somewhere I haven't covered yet, drop me a tweet at Quarantinepod. I started out introducing these episodes with the sound of my neighbours singing from their balconies, but they've stopped that habit now, perhaps for the best. So instead, here's another group of people, somewhere else in the world, doing the same thing. Good evening, or good morning, or good afternoon.
1: Welcome. My name's Sandy, and this is day number 27 of my personal quarantine. Thanks for listening. Today I'm joined by Daisha in Iksan in South Korea. How are you, Daisha? Doing well. Did I get the pronunciation right?
2: Oh, it was perfect. Thank you. Yes, excellent.
1: And we also welcome back Dan, who joined us from the f- Madrid in our first episode. Dan, how are you doing? Hi, fine. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Did I get your pronunciation right?
3: <laughs> yes, you did. Can, yeah, you want to try the last name? That'd be a funny one. <laughs> is, is it is it Feist or, or Feast? No, it is Feist. It is Feist. Right. But it, everyone says Feast. Which is funny because you go to a restaurant and you put your name down for a table for four or whatever, right? And then they start yelling, feast, table for four. And you go, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute <laughs> that's, a, that's a great line. <laughs>
1: oh. <really> nice. <laughs> ah lovely to um lovely to speak to you. Dan, obviously not for the first time. Daisha, we were introduced by a lovely friend alicia who I worked with doing some summer camps in Italy. Oh a few years ago yeah. and uh, and she was out here in sicily where where i am now working mm-hmm. with us last summer how did you guys meet you're in
2: uh, you're alicia a, you're used to rich? live in korea i lived in another city and we all lived in the same apartment
1: all oh, right okay yeah, which, so her, which city were you in
2: that was a city called Dejan.
1: okay Yeah. Yeah,
2: And Daejeon's about an hour train ride, hour and a half by car from here or maybe an hour also. I don't know. It's it's really close. Mm. Um, And so, uh, yeah, she's wonderful. I missed her or I miss her uh, not living here in Korea, but that's the normal expat life. People come and go, you know.
1: Yeah, I think all three of us can relate to that, right? Yeah. Dan, is it you've been in Madrid for? Did you say like seventeen years or
3: something? Yeah, eight, eighteen years now, and uh, I've seen lots of people come and go. That's for sure. Mm.
1: Yeah, mm. That's for sure. How long and, have you been in right. Korea for, Deja? So 2012,
2: so seven and a half years. All
3: right. Yeah. All right. Do you plan on and... staying long, long term?
2: Um. Well, uh, the plan was to have this baby here and then go home maybe in about a year. Um, but who knows what's going to happen with this whole COVID thing. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. maybe I'll stay here a little bit longer because I'm kind of scared to, like, start a new job and, you know, what's the job market when I get back to the U.S.? Uh, I might just stay here for a little bit.
3: So Right. Well, so I understand that you're pregnant.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any day uh, this baby will drop. And uh, I'll have to be a responsible adult. Uh, Wow.
3: Congratulations. Yeah, that's Um, a
2: weird feeling.
3: Is it going to be a big change for you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally like um, I'm 41 years old, but I still live life as if I just graduated college. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can yeah. relate. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> yeah. you know, like the only difference is, is that my job, you know, I have a job, but I had a job in college too. I actually had like two or three jobs. So, you know, yeah. uh, I work less than I did when I was younger. And mm-hmm. uh, it's great. I feel like a responsible adult. But um, yeah, uh, I don't I really. never,
1: do never have guessed. From seeing your face on a on a screen that you were 41 years old I have to say oh
2: yeah <laughs> yeah and
1: am I right in thinking you're you're expecting a baby girl
2: yes mm-hmm.
1: a girl yeah. and it's gonna be your first one
2: yeah yeah uh, ah. that's a weird feeling being a mom hmm, hmm.
1: I cannot imagine Dan you've you've got a kid right
3: yeah mine's ten
2: oh man that's fun age i taught elementary school for five and a half years Mm -hmm. here in korea Uh, before i did that i taught middle school in the u.s and a year of high school Uh, and now i'm at the university so all the years (laughs) yeah right
3: all the age age groups for you yeah, no, ten, good. 10 is, is good so far. I mean, especially during lockdown, he's he's so digitally native. He's oh, playing good. with his friends and stuff, and so he's yeah. online a lot. But he he's still having social time, so
2: he if he can't get out, doesn't have that habit fever him. thing going
3: on. He hasn't asked to go out once in twenty four days. Oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I just, it's
2: it's like please I... go out? <laughs> exactly,
3: exactly. Probably like this
2: is the best time ever. <laughs>
3: oh, he's happy. He, he he doesn't feel like this is a negative, not at all.
2: I've
0: I've,
3: I've got to say I work with
1: with kids of all ages. Um, I'm not a teacher. I, I have so much respect for people who can be, um, but my favorite age is uh, is that middle school. I think such a such a nice sweet spot between being old enough
3: to. <laughs> I'm seeing two very
1: different reactions on the screen right now.
3: <laughs> Daisha didn't think so. No. <laughs> maybe elementary would be better
2: elementary is great high school is great like those teen like oh god oh it's (laughs) not good
1: (laughs) i guess i guess i have such a different experience the work that i do i'm i'm either working with kids for a week or just doing a performance for them most of the time for, for an hour wonderful yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's quite it's quite interesting. I think the work I feel really lucky when when we are working, when we're touring or doing the summer camps, is I sort of feel like my job is to be a kind of a kind of professional uncle in that yeah, you do all the all cool stuff find up Exactly, right? And then you hand them back to the actual adults. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So um so obviously a lot of your your time and your thoughts day are, are taken up by being eight and a half months pregnant yeah. um and then also there's this big covid news story going on how do you find your 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 thoughts are divided up between those two like which one which one are you spending most time thinking about
2: um I think the hardest thing for me is thinking about my family back home in the States. Um, but I, I have family in so many countries. I have family in Italy. Uh, I have family in the Philippines. I have family in the Middle East. I have, you know, we're all spread out. Yeah. Um, Cousins, uncles, aunts, they're just kind of all worried at different levels. (laughs) And so, uh, it was weird because in, In January, I first started to hear about it. And I thought it was going to be like MERS because I Mm -hmm. was in Korea when MERS was going on. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, we need to start, you know, washing our hands more and wearing a mask. I'm just thinking, okay, not a big deal. So I really kind of was kind of not really thinking of it as a big deal. Because in January, I had taken a trip with um, two of my girlfriends to... Singapore and Bali, and nice. everyone's like, "Oh, you know, this is your big last trip before you have the baby." And I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna have fun." They're like, "Well, just be careful. You're gonna be out, you know, on the airplanes, and you know, there's gonna be tons of Chinese people and just tons of people in general um, who might have, you know, the virus, or just be careful because it's just, you know, when you're on a plane, anything can happen." And uh, we, we we had our mask, and I, I'd always sanitize. And then I came back home and I was like, well, maybe I'll take one more trip to the States (laughs) Mm -hmm. before I have this baby. And I took a last minute trip uh, in February. And when I was in the US, they were so worried about me. They're like, oh, how's it going on in Korea? And I was like, "Uh, I think it's okay. Um, You know, like right now the the kids are on break and I'll eventually go back to work at the uh, beginning of March. And we'll see what would happen. And then uh, while I was in the States, you know, it was just like, oh, no, the numbers are getting high. And so Mm -hmm. my anxiety was high when I was home in the U.S. I get back to Korea. uh, You know, in March, like things just like every day something would happen. I was like, oh, shit. I'm actually safer in Korea than I was in the U S and my family was like, I'm so glad you're not here. Like it was like, wow. <laughs> it was mm. a total switch, wow. you know, like, Oh no. And so like being here in Korea, pregnant with COVID, I feel I am not as worried. I know that sounds crazy. Um, not much.
3: To me it doesn't because yeah. as you were saying about MERS and and the previous SARS, is it seems like Korea already has experience with this, and mm-hmm. they, they didn't have a denial stage no. like most of the rest of the countries had. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: And just, I wanted to ask if I could, Sandy. Yeah, um, yeah sure. When you returned from the U.S. To, to Korea, did they take your temperature and give you a quick test? Or um, what, at that under- time,
2: I got back uh, February 24th, 25th, I think, was the, the date I got back. They were doing... What they always do, they have like um, um, a a thermo camera,
3: uh-huh, and
2: we just yeah. pass by it, and that was it. Okay. Wow. Like it and
1: that's that's just a standard there, is it? That's yeah, yeah. There. That
2: was a, that was there. Like I've that was nothing new. The only I think the only difference was that I saw was uh, for me, since I'm um, a resident, I'm I'm allowed to go through this like the fast Korean line, and it's all automated. I wasn't allowed to go through that line. They're like, oh, no foreigners can go through that line because of COVID. I was like, um, okay, COVID's Mm -hmm. already in Korea, but I was uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 hope <laughs> at least, I hope at least
1: you were able to jump a bit of the big queue because you must have been like seven months pregnant at that point oh, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. didn't make I you like, stand for too long right?
2: i was pulling the the pregnancy like i just i'm pregnant <laughs> i can't stand in line and, and they're like okay okay just come over here to the other <laughs> line the non-automated period you have to line. play that card yeah Absolutely. oh yeah, I can only for so long so yeah <laughs>
1: Just a yeah, was... just a quick thing I'm I'm interested about is when you say you were back in the US seeing seeing family and things. I'm outnumbered here. I'm I'm one Brit amongst a pair of a pair of Americans. Dan, your family's in Wisconsin, is that right? Minnesota and Wisconsin, yeah. Uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. And Daisha, where where's yours? Virginia. You mm-hmm. Is there any is there any ancient rivalry between the, the cheese belt and Virginia?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> Not
1: really. No. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> um, what what was it? If I could just run back a little bit, what was it that made you first choose to to live in South Korea?
2: Uh I was a teacher in the US and I was just having a mental breakdown because right. teaching middle school and being in that whole system of teaching is very stressful. And mm. I wanted to take a break. And I love traveling. Like every year I would travel somewhere, you know. And so I said, oh, okay, this is my big opportunity to live abroad. I never left home. And mm. I was, uh, yeah, I just, okay, I'm just going to Korea. And I thought it was just going to be a year at most too. And every year I stayed, I was like, oh, my God, this is the best place ever. I can't wait to, you know, stay here and, you know, settle. And if I don't like Korea, I could probably go to, you know, I had all these other countries on my list of places I'd love to, you know, stay and live. Um, I was really excited to live that expat life.
3: Huh. Yeah. And what is, it, what is it about Korea that you, you enjoy so much?
2: Oh, awesome healthcare.
3: Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That is my number one thing.
2: Uh, Number one, awesome healthcare. Number two, really safe. Right. Uh, Number three, uh, I'm really close to a lot of uh, cool countries in Asia, and so um, I'm half Filipino, and so I got to visit my family, you know, every year um, in the Philippines, and so that was really nice. Like I would go there for the winter and just hang out.
3: Lovely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really nice. And were there any things that you found difficult to adjust to? Any like what were the points of culture shock when you got
2: that? Um it's very, you know, one culture. The US, you have tons of cultures, tons of languages, tons of just there's so much variety. Korea is just you're just Korean. Yeah. You
1: know,
2: and so even for people who are of korean descent they don't see you as korean you know they're mm, like sure. oh you're oh you're 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 not really korean you're gyopo or you're you know you're whatever and so um Gyop- gyopo is gringo in korean yeah it's kind of <laughs> like that but it's specifically for korean americans korean canadians korean australians oh. okay. so right. it's yeah, it's a, it's a specific word that they kind of call Koreans, but didn't grow up in Korea.
3: Uh-huh. Right, yeah. right, right.
2: Dan,
1: I never asked you this, but when when you first got to Spain, did you think it was going to be for a long time? Or did that just kind of happen one day after the next?
3: Uh, one day after the next kind of the first, my first stint was five months to a semester at the university. And then um, after I finished my degree, I, I didn't want to get a real job and I didn't want to <laughs> go to grad school. And I said, well, I'm going to perfect my Spanish. And then I came back and it's just been year after year. It's like uh, another year has gone by.
1: You really should have. It. You really should have perfected your Spanish by now, Dan. It's been 18 years. Come
3: on. <laughs> no, there's no doubt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no doubt. But at this point, at this point, um, I don't know how it would be, what it would be like to live in the U.S. again. I mean, obviously, as Daisha was saying, with the health care, uh, Spain also has a pretty good public health care system and a reasonably inexpensive private health care system. And if I go back to the U.S., then I have to make, uh, I don't know, like 20,000 more per year just to cover health care. Uh, I don't drive hardly ever when I'm over here. I don't have a car uh, I get around without it, and and to go back to that kind of lifestyle would be would be different. I could enjoy having a backyard with a nice grill and shit, but I don't <laughs> know if that's enough to to pull me back, you know.
2: Reverse culture shock is real. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I, I think people talk about culture shock. They're like, oh, culture shock when you come to Korea. I've had more friends when they go back home. They're just like, oh, this is more stressful than anything. I did not think it was going to be stressful going back home. Yeah, Yeah. it was and they were here like two, three years, you know, right?
3: Yeah. Sandy, what reverse culture shock experiences do you have?
1: It's it's interesting uh, because I didn't I didn't have this sort of straightforward transition from living at home to moving somewhere else. What happened with me was I started taking some short term touring jobs. The first time I came to Italy was 10 years ago and I was here for about three months and I was just traveling around the whole time. And then I went to Spain for three years, and I lived in Madrid, but Sunday to Friday, I was in a van traveling around the country right. again. So didn't have that sense of, of roots in one particular place. And then I bounced around different countries, and in between jobs, I'd go back to the UK for a month here or a month there. Um, and somewhere along the line, it stopped feeling like home. And gradually, I mean, now Italy feels, feels much more like home. I can't really imagine going back to Britain without opening a whole can of worms. It feels, it feels like a, a very different country to the one that I, I left. I remember things like being there in the summer of 2012 when the Olympics was in town and the whole world seemed welcome. And now they're doing some, some strange Brexity things that I, yeah. I can't wrap my brain around and I know a lot of people there feel the same way, but um, it's 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 a strange sense because with my job running this this company that's literally got the union flag as a as a logo because it's super marketable, kind of like kind of like the stars and stripes. It's just a really mm-hmm. good bit of design that people latch onto. Um, I almost feel like my job is representing Britain, and yet I don't feel very british anymore i don't feel particularly attached to that place beyond having friends and family there um and yeah i don't i don't Hmm. i don't know that i could imagine myself back there the only thing i guess would be would be the language i wonder whether because i love using english speaking english and i wonder whether i could ever get to a stage in italian how many years it would take me to get to a stage where I could express myself and get my personality across with language the way that I can in in English. How did you find learning Korean, Daisha?
2: Oh, I'm so bad at Korean. Um actually I took I've taken so many classes in, you know, like formally or with friends or with a private tutor. And every time I learn more, I'm just like, oh. I don't want to listen to what Koreans have to say. There's sometimes it gets on my nerves. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know how um, uh, you're in a crowd. I don't know if you do this when you are when you go back home. When I travel back to the U.S., it's so noisy, you know? Yeah. I'm in, and I'm like, ah, oh, I could understand what everyone's saying. But in Korea, I'm on the bus or on the train, and it just sounds like white noise. And then... Uh-huh. What if I pay at? attention, okay, then I, I'm like, oh, like, now, you know, it, it doesn't become quiet. So I know enough to get through my day to get into trouble or to get out of trouble, yeah. but not enough to really, um, you know, to really be involved in Korean life. Mm-hmm, um, sure. And, you know, like every every day I'm learning more stuff. Every year I'm learning more stuff. And so... Um, Yeah, I I think it's fun the way how language, how I've, uh, because I'm a language teacher. I taught Spanish before when I was in the U.S. and I teach English now. And so you would think, oh, you know about language acquisition. You'd be great at learning languages. And I'm just like, yeah. And I prevent myself from learning it because I just don't want to (laughs) deal with the stress. You know, I could pull the, oh, I don't know. I'm a foreigner card, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. and as I do a... know what they're talking about but I just don't want to like deal with the stress of <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's really funny I, I that thing of switching in and out of the language and and when you're listening in public space it's something that I've I do but I'd never thought about consciously in those terms mm-hmm. but as soon as you said it I'm like yeah that's absolutely what happens and sometimes you can just take a little break and, and cut away from it. How's that
3: oh, even been in even, terms of? Even being quite adept at Spanish myself, I can still do that in Spanish. Like, yeah. nice. I, I just turn off the listening and yep, it's like nobody's even around, you know?
0: <laughs> <Not>
3: <laughs> I, can, I can evade and just be in my own little world quite easily. Whereas in English, still, that, that I mean, that never happens, right? Yeah. So, anyway, Sandy?
1: Well, uh, let's. Um... Let's talk a little bit about the situation in in South Korea, because one of the one of the things that I'm most aware of about it at the moment is that it was one of the first countries to start dealing with cases outside of China of COVID. And yet it has this. Global reputation right now as being the country that's found the answers. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, not in absolute terms, but it's constantly being held up as as a as a paragon of how to react to things like this. We've talked a little bit about the fact that maybe they had more infrastructure in place as a result of previous epidemics. But if it's not if it's not too big a question, what's your impression, Asia, of why? they've been able to keep the situation reasonably under control. What's, what does life feel like at the moment? What are the restrictions on you?
2: I am so surprised that Korea isn't more of a shit show. Like I know Um, this is really bad uh, but because sometimes like living in Korea, you know, there are so many like, Oh my gosh, they, they do so many amazing things. And then the next, I'm just thinking, why, why aren't they doing this? Like the common sense part was left out and (laughs) to to know that they they handled it so well is just like oh I'm so glad that part of Korea won out because uh, at one point there were uh, petitions online to to oust President Moon because they were upset that he had donated all these masks to China they're like why are you giving China all these masks we need it blah 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 Um, that's not fair and then you know a month later Koreans are so proud to be Korean because they're like, oh, I'm so glad our government stepped up and did these things. And so it's kind of like those two sides, you know. Um, You have an amazing team of ministers in Korea that said, "Okay, we don't know what we're doing, so we're going to hand it over to the scientists, to the medical people, give them all the money, all the support, and they did their stuff. Versus you have ordinary people who are like, um, I'm going to, because we're, we're not under any type of, of formal quarantine. We're under no type of um, restrictions. The only thing is, wow. is that they did shut down schools. And so public schools and universities have been closed for weeks. Um, but businesses are still open. Um, most of them have the same amount of people. Like I go out, it feels like a normal day. Like nothing is different. Yeah. Nothing is different except that more people are wearing masks. There are places where you can sanitize your hands and sanitize carts and stuff like that, but nothing too weird. You know, Mm. we, um, the one cool thing that they did was the contact tracing. And that was amazing. You know, like we get, uh, depending on your area, um, We get a cell phone uh, text message saying, this is what's happening. These are things that you should do. These are the people who um, have COVID. They don't give you full descriptions, of course, but they're like, a 50-year-old man in this location uh, tested positive for COVID. And these were the places he was. So if you were there, you should come in for a test. And the tests are available. um, Wow. In most places. Uh
3: Uh-huh. Um, these are these are two aspects that are really interesting to me. Um, one is the idea of the contact tracing, which seems like in, in the West is, is not acceptable or something to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it goes against my personal liberties and whatnot. And the other thing is that there are tests available, and I'm, I, try, I, I have a hard time understanding why every country is trying to reinvent the test. Or, like, I I don't know how Uh, certain countries have uh, good tests, and other countries are like trying to get their university uh, researchers to come up with a test. So, these are yeah, I don't
2: know. I'm just like, a test is a test, but some they're like, well, we don't actually know if their test is going to be good or they're going to give us false negatives or false positives. And that that does happen in Korea, then? Um, I I haven't heard of anything uh, Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, that hasn't been anything that I've seen on Facebook or in the um, in the news that I've been watching and reading in English or in Korean. Uh, so I haven't heard anything about that. Um, I've but, seen pictures uh, in some,
1: some hmm. of the big... Sorry to jump in. Um, I've seen pictures in some of the big cities in South Korea of booths. They look like uh, kiosks phone that booth. you get in. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right. Phone booth type things where someone... Uh, a doctor or a nurse sealed inside is taking tests through the through the wall of the of the booth just on the street. Is that some, so? Iksan is quite rural. Would you say quite a small town?
2: Um, it's it's small compared to what everything is in Korea because everything in Korea is very compact, and so you have oh, okay. like Seoul, and there's nine million people there, you know, and Iksan <laughs> has. Uh, less than a million people, maybe half a million, yeah. quarter of a million. So it's a small city, but it's bigger than the city I grew up in. So it, yeah, you know, I, I'm seems, just
1: okay, right? Smaller. I go more yeah. uh, Just just since you mentioned the population of Seoul. Did you see the story, I mean, this is going off on a tangent, but did you see the story that Donald Trump claimed it was 38 million people, and if you if you look it up on Google, the first thing that comes up is that it's at an altitude of 38 meters, so it's written 38m. <laughs> I saw <laughs> that. Like, well,
2: yeah, he someone saw the of
1: Google. Yeah,
2: <laughs> oh, man, i like. Yeah, um, he was like
1: okay, 38m, so, so,
2: that looked right.
1: For those those testing booths are they things that you see around town where you are
2: no i don't see them around town where i am uh i know that they have them especially in in seoul i remember mm. seeing like uh, something on facebook they're like oh these are the list of locations of where you can go to and there were like um parks they were at the whole um like hotel they were at just random places I was like where are these places but places that you can go not necessarily be at um at a hospital, which makes sense. You know, yeah. you don't want to go directly to a hospital and spreading COVID. Um, so that have makes you taken sense. A uh, test I don't at know any point? no, I haven't. No. I don't I don't want anything in my nose. I saw how the test looks so mm. I'm like, oh maybe I'll just I'll just be sick. <laughs> 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 it just looks so scary. I'm such a little baby. And I know it's gonna be worse when I have a baby. So I don't know why I'm being such a weirdo. But I heard uh, you can't just, in certain cities, in certain places, you can't just get a test. Right. They, they uh, some places, they do want you to call in first. Uh, there's, like, a, a phone number, uh, like, our COVID number, like, 1399 or something like that. Uh, you're supposed to call them and tell them, oh, I have symptoms, and then they'll, um, depending on your city, they'll tell you where you can go if you can go. So, one of my friends was kind of worried because she was feeling sick and wherever she was, they wouldn't, they were like, oh, you you can't get a test right now, which she was like, what? I thought all the tests were available, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I guess they either just didn't think she was important to get enough, uh, not important, but she wasn't at a place in her, you know, they didn't think she was sick enough or, you know, mm. her signs, her symptoms weren't COVID enough, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so what about if you if you started to feel sick in Madrid then do you mm-hmm. have a clear sense of How you'd go about getting a test and finding out do you feel like you'd be able to get a test there?
3: Well uh, at the moment I know that our first step that they tell us is that we have to uh, Call the special hotline that they set up and then inform them of your symptoms And then they will tell you what to do next I'm under the impression that unless you have some serious breathing problems they're telling you just to self-isolate at home, it's like super quarantine yourself. And then uh, I believe that when you do have respiratory issues, then they, they refer you to a hospital. You go in and then there should be enough tests, at least for people who are at that point. Um, right. this week, This week, Spain is receiving more shipments of quick tests and different things like that, which hopefully these are going to be more reliable than the first batch that came through almost two weeks ago. That was uh, just garbage. I think it was half, it was 50-50. It was kind of a random yeah, I've, thing.
0: I've oh, read wow. about these
3: how, shipments. How long did, tests did
2: it take right? for test results to come back?
3: Um, I'm not really sure. I think they're still doing 24-hour test uh, mm-hmm. results. Oh. Uh, because by, by looking at the famous people or the politicians or experts who, you know, because they go, oh, the, so-and-so has tested positive. Or so and so tested negative. They're doing a second test to confirm. We'll have the we'll have the results tomorrow. So I think they're still doing yeah. the twenty-four hour. However, I have I did see a headline this morning that uh, certain regions did get their first batches of quick tests. So have there have there
1: been in Korea have there been high-profile cases of celebrities or politicians, people in the public eye, who've tested positive that you know of, Daisha?
2: Uh I don't think so. Maybe there has been, but I not I can't really think of it. There was on April Fools there was a guy who told people he had COVID and he didn't. And everyone was like, "Oh, you're a jerk." You know, like <laughs> wow. He, had, like, some, he was a a K-pop star or something like that or a, an actor or something. And everyone was like, "What a dummy." Like, afraid, come yeah, on, right. man. Like yeah. there's not a time to the phrase
1: read the rooms. But,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's been like a big, um, uh, like, Oh, Oh my gosh. I can't believe, you know, like there's no Tom Hanks or something that yeah. has gotten it. That maybe I just, I, I don't really pay attention maybe. to that. The thing that I've been paying attention to have been the clusters that have come out. And so mm. we've had big clusters of, um, the big one that we had was the the church, uh, church quote unquote. We also call it a cult. Um, yeah, and that was so in Daegu, that was like right? our big. Yeah, and that was a total insane like, wow. And that city was put down uh, as like the first kind of, oh my goodness, Korea has a big problem. And they, my mm-hmm. friends who were living there, they were kind of quarantined, and it was just it was crazy, and everyone was worried. And then you kept on getting these random clusters in different cities. And there are always um, groups of people who were told, you know, like weeks before, hey, we should probably think about not being in the gym. Or, hey, maybe you shouldn't think about opening your um, hogwan, which is like hogwans uh, are cram schools that are still open.
1: Okay. They're
2: like um, 80 to 90 percent of kids attend these after school. Mm hmm. Um, and so they're still open, even though private school, I mean, public schools are still closed, but they still attend yeah. these. Schools, and so it's kind of like weird. So you get clusters there, you get clusters at the church. Um, and, uh, th- the recent one was, um, at a wine bar. So this lady or guy had come back from vacation and there was like a cluster of people that had it there. So like we get these random clusters of mm. just regular people who should have been staying at home, being quarantined. Because they probably were in a place where they could have gotten the virus, but that they didn't, and then they gave it to everyone else. And we're like, "What the ah? Oh, you were supposed yeah. to not do this. for yeah. Well,
3: know. the impression that I got was that they the contact tracing was really really strict with that in Korea, and that they were limiting that uh, quite a bit by calling you up and saying hey your phone is moving why aren't you staying at home is that is that a misconception that we have or
2: well yes and no some of these people um like it i guess it depended because um some of these people depending on when they came they weren't tested right away like the one at the the church the first one in daegu the doctors weren't doing mandatory tests he was like i think you should get tested she's like no i'm fine and at the time, you know, you were allowed to say, no, I don't need a test. That now, was early
1: pretend- days, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 And now it's like, if you don't take this test and you don't quarantine, yeah, we're going to fine you. We're going to jail you. We're going to deport you type of stuff. Yeah. This okay. seems,
1: to, seems to be the whole kind of crux of the strategy there. I mean, I find it absolutely fascinating that having been one of the first countries i think the first really outside of china to reach significant numbers of cases mm-hmm. that in a city where you are the size the size that ixan is there's still free movement there aren't mm-hmm. quarantine restrictions but that on the one hand they're uh, controlling entry and monitoring people who arrive into the country really tightly and on the other hand they're then as soon as a cluster pops up, it's known about it's in the media, it's noteworthy. Oh and yeah. Presumably then they do impose some kind of lockdown restrictions. Is yeah. That, that's is that the fair?
2: thing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. You're, you're like, should they be more preventive, you know, preventative where they're like everyone shut down. We can't let anyone move because you guys don't know how to behave or we'll deal with it after the fact. And I guess they're able to deal with it after the fact because they have the tests and they have the medical staff ready and they're they're not at a place where they're like oh we're we can't get enough masks oh we don't have enough ventilators mm-hmm. oh we don't have enough you know beds and so i think that's maybe why they're doing it that way it they, really does... they've been able to keep normalcy which has been nice for most places
1: yeah it really feels like a kind of recipe for how countries can move forward, because obviously we know from the scientists that there isn't going to be a vaccine available anytime soon. Um, obviously, at the moment, there are so many countries that are in a, a phase of, of having to have really severe lockdowns to contain uh, outbreaks that have already got out of hand. Mm-hmm. but. Question that everybody's talking about in Italy is how we find some kind of new normality where we're not just trapped in our apartments, but at the same time, we reduce the risk of a secondary outbreak which shuts everything down for another four, six, eight weeks, whatever this ends up being. And a combination of control over over borders and then a close monitoring of clustering seems like the way forward. But then, of course, in in countries that aren't an island borders are so much harder to control and i'm really interested to see how europe in particular which has this big open border zone Mm -hmm. is going to is going to work over the next year because they'll be they'll be gradually one by one countries will
3: start to get their own situation under control Mm -hmm. um well, I think and I, might, I may be wrong, but I feel like there's a total lack of availability of tests um, in Europe. Yeah. And that once, once we get to the point where we can uh, do more massive testing, we can do a lot more control on the clusters as, as they're doing in Korea. And, in, and then you would have local temporary quarantines or lockdowns well yeah. while while other neighboring communities are still kind of living their normal life mm-hmm. uh, but but i think the big thing is that we we just don't have the the testing capacity i might Well be it's wrong, not
2: but... i i think also it's not just testing but having the medical community not feel like they're stressed out sure you know because yeah. i i can go to the hospital and I think that people at the hospital, they, they you know, people are cleaning extra and there's, you know, a lot of uh, procedures. Like when I go to the hospital for my uh, appointments, I have to wear a mask. I get a, a reminder like, OK, when you're coming for your appointment today at 1030, make sure you wear your mask and they're going to check your temperature and go directly to where you need to go. And that's what I do. And so there's a procedure for that. They take your temperature in some places. They like get your phone number So if you were here and something happened, they'll be able to contact you like oh, there was a An an outbreak or (laughs) there was a cluster we can Mm. contact you Right. So that that is a feeling of okay The hospitals aren't stressed out versus what I hear from my friends who are nurses back home in the States it's like oh my god it's a shit oh god uh, you know (laughs) they're like yeah i have to make my own (laughs) mask i have to you know i'm stressed out at work and there's not enough you know people are surviving like i keep telling people it's not the death count people should be worried about it's the count of people who are in the hospitals you know everyone's like oh well it's only so many people who are going to die and most people do survive and i'm thinking yeah that's fine but I have never seen any type of flu or SARS or H1N1 where the hospitals are stressed out.
3: Yeah. Right. Right. You know, right. and that's, right. that's
2: the difference. If you can get everyone a mask, if you could get everyone their you know, the, the materials and uh, equipment and machinery and beds and nurses and doctors, then it wouldn't be such a problem, but we don't have that. And that's, I think the problem, you know, mm-hmm. I think
1: I think so many countries right now are just trying to find any possible way to scale up the capacity of their medical system. Mm -hmm. And of course, what they're finding, it it seems is that it's one thing to scale up facilities in a hurry and and you Mm -hmm. can do that. But then to scale up medical personnel is obviously incredibly difficult. You cannot train a doctor in in three and a half weeks. Oh, Um, no, they're
2: fast tracking people's graduations. They're like, okay, you've got enough classes. Go. You know? yeah <laughs> yeah right.
3: well in in Spain uh, um, medical students who are in their year of residency have been assigned to these alternative field hospitals for wow. mild cases and so people who are not life or death but who are in a situation where they need medical help um, are are being attended by these residents uh, who have been kind of as you said fast tracked into the real world right there. Wow.
1: I saw a fascinating story. Uh, well, I've, I've heard a few. A really good friend of mine has uh, her father was an, an anesthesiologist. I think for his entire professional life, and had retired or certainly left the public health service in Ireland. And he's volunteered to go back to work. And and we know from the news that this is happening. That one yeah. way countries are, are increasing their their capacity is by recruiting. Doctors who've left the profession, and the amazing story that, that I heard yesterday is that Leo Varadkar, the leader of the Irish government, has was a was a, a general practitioner for four or five years before he went into politics, and he has signed back onto the register of practicing doctors, and is going to be doing I think just a morning a week, obviously. He has a lot of other things on his hands right now, but it's going to be going back just as a, as a, as a symbolic gesture. I suppose I kind of reminded me of, do you ever see the film Independence Day where yeah. Bill Pullman's playing the president and, and he's like, put me back in my F-16 fighter jet. Well, I, I think
2: <laughs> it's wonderful that people are feeling that call to, to service, you know? Isn't and it? yeah. And I think that's amazing. Like, even on a small level, you know, I have aunties and stuff who are like making masks for their friends, um, who are in the me- in the medical field, or my cousins who are, you know, they-, they live in the Philippines and they're like, oh, I got orders for masks. I need to give this to like the the people in the city and people who are just local people because they all need masks and we can't get masks. And so everyone feels like they have to step up, which which yeah. is amazing.
1: There was there was like a half a half slip of the tongue there and then you, you stopped yourself halfway through the word. I thought you were going to say in the military and it became in the medical field. And I kind of think oh, well, there is this sense where like we're seeing doctors and nurses and healthcare professional in the same term, you know, the vocabulary that's being used is like on the front
2: line. And yeah, there, there hmm. is that I, I could, I could, I guess I, I was afraid to say the word military maybe, uh, but it is that sense of, um people do have to step up because, you know, I hate to say that, you know, Trump is like, we're at war, but I'm just thinking, you're a dummy because you are not acting like a good general <laughs> and this is you're doing a lot yeah. of stuff. You know, I like I I, can, I feel like my town I grew up with is a military town. You know, all of us are either Navy brats or army oh, yeah. brats. And my my brother is in the Coast Guard. My brother works for my other brother works for the military, and so we're all connected. My dad was in the Navy. And so we're looking at this, they're like, nah, this is, this is not at all being prepared. This is, you know, you're supposed to see this months ahead of time. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to have everything ready. This is, this is the worst situation and you're handling it in the worst way. And so it's really nice that other people are stepping up and like serving and their duty, you know, like they know it's their duty to do this, even though the person at the top is not giving the commands out. They're like, look. We're gonna have to just pretend that the guy at the top knows what he's doing and he's telling us what to do, and we have to act on what yeah. we normally, you know, like if we had someone who was, you know, sufficient in that, in that capacity.
3: right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, well the, the what led to this cu- question by Sandy was you were talking about masks, and now masks and face coverings have become like all the rage in Europe and the U.S. and everybody's okay. like, you make your own and don't go outside without one. Uh, what do you feel about that? Are are you wearing like a a manufactured one? Are you wearing one?
2: I have um I have a a ninety-four mask, a ninety-five mask, and a and a fabric mask. Um when I left the US, my dad went to um the hardware store and got me some masks and they're like painting masks, but he got me those masks, one, because my allergies are bad and he was afraid that since I'm pregnant, um the pollution in Korea is sometimes really bad. And he was like, you need to wear a mask all the time. And so he gave me that for that reason. But also because of the COVID, he was kind of like freaking out. And I was just like, oh, I think you guys need the more than I do. I Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. uh, Yeah. So me wearing a mask wasn't like a weird thing. And everyone was I kept on telling people, guys, you need to wear this mask. And they're like, oh, we don't need to wear a mask unless we're sick or for a round bubble. I'm like, okay. I'm just saying, I'm in Korea. Can, can We've been dealing with this <laughs> for years.
3: <laughs> and so it's it's natural for you. I'm, I mean, here now uh, there are some people who are con- who continue to say it's useless. There's mm-hmm. some people who say that the cloth coverings are useless.
2: Mm-hmm. That if you
3: don't make it a certain way, blah, blah blah. Can you expand? Can you give me your opinion on that at all?
2: I think anytime you can cover your face with something is mm-hmm. better than nothing. You know. Um, kind of like when we sneeze, they tell you to cover your, you know, your mouth with your hand. Of course, there's going to still be a spray and something might land on someone else. It's not going to be a whole hundred percent, but that's why we do it. We cover it because we want the percentage of those cooties not to get out, you know? (laughs) So so even if it's from 90% to 50%, I'll take that.
0: You know yeah, everyone's yeah.
2: thinking it, the it's going to be 100% cover and the whole point is just to stay away from people. We can't in Korea because it's just we're, we're really tight in Korea and we aren't doing um you know a quarantine situation. Yeah. And people just kind of wore masks anyway cuz even before COVID and when there wasn't mers people would wear a mask because it was just out of nature because of what happened in the past and people are just thinking okay I'm sick. I should cover my face. Uh, The pollution is bad. I should cover my face. I have allergies. I should cover my face. I didn't wear makeup. I will cover my face. Like, so wearing a mask. (laughs) That's amazing. It's kind of like, uh, it's stylish. It's fashionable as well as medical. It's like what...
3: We use a baseball cap to cover our hair when it, when we're having a bad hair day. And they're yeah, like, yeah, oh,
2: exactly. look
3: very pretty today. Let me just put yeah, a mask yeah. on. Yeah,
2: my students, that's how that's they'll come into That's a great
3: way work, to
1: look
2: at it. Or come into class or like, oh, are you sick? No, I just didn't do my makeup. I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's incredible.
1: Dan, I love that you asked that question because I was listening this morning back to the first conversation that we had. and It must have been two or three weeks ago now where we were talking with Reese in Beijing, and one of the things that struck me was that at that point, it seemed that he was saying that it was mandatory, or at least I think his words were heavily recommended, which, sure. which I feel like translates to mandatory in China, um, to wear masks all the time. And that seemed quite alien to us in Western Europe. And I was going to ask you whether how much that's that's changed in Madrid. Have you got masks have, if, when you have to go out and go to the store to buy groceries and things? Do you All wear right. anything or cut your face?
3: Well, uh, the last four or five days, both the U.S. government and the Spanish government have begin, begun to slowly change their tune as far as masks go. Um, and becoming more and more in favor of people wearing face, facial coverings, at least, if not masks. Um, And I've been kind of following that. Um, What was I going to say after that? I think you and I commented on this recently on Facebook that the people who say that you don't need a mask are people who are basing it on science. But people who say that you need a mask are basing it on science and the assumption that you are sick or infectious. Because there are so many asymptomatic cases that nobody really knows if they're sick or not. It's like Schrodinger's virus you know you both have it and you don't have it at the same time yes you know yes yeah and so really well the heard. idea is the idea is to, if you wear a mask uh, as daisha was saying what you're doing is you're reducing the amount of water droplets that you're expelling into the air and exposing other people to and so i i spent 2 days 2 afternoons ago i spent a few hours sewing up some masks uh, here at the house right uh, double- double layer cotton on the outside and a vinyl layer on the inside so
1: did you go did you go plain or have you got some cool designs going on
3: <laughs> because i'm not a very good sewer i was like i'm just gonna try one and so at the moment i've i've used a steel gray t-shirt uh with a right. blue with a blue liner. Uh, but i may i may end up making a few more as i I'll, at some point they will let my son go b- outside again <laughs> and yeah. at that point he'll need he'll need a cool one for him and also his size face so I've, I've really, I've really improved on my sewing. Just making two masks, I'm like, oh goddamn, I'm pretty good now.
2: <laughs> so, so proud. And for yeah. now,
1: this this spring's must wear colors are steel gray and blue in Madrid. It's just, right. <laughs> if we lose everything else, we can keep our sense of fashion. Damn it. Um, yeah, there've been a couple of provinces in Italy which have just started to make the wearing of masks outside compulsory it's it's really interesting to see in so many ways i think the mask thing is just one example western cultures finding a little bit of humility i'm gonna say finding finding a little bit of uh, need to swallow their pride and say all right this stuff that we didn't think initially was worth worrying with we're gonna actually start to take some advice from these people who've dealt with it before um Mm-hmm. I could I could talk about the situation in in Korea all day I think it's really really fascinating but I do just kind of want to check in on on how things are in Madrid what the mood's like how you're keeping because obviously you've now been in your apartment for two three weeks how
0: uh, uh, yeah.
1: how are
3: you man We're doing all right um uh, time's flying
2: there are Can moments I ask of what exactly is quarantine like each place, each state, each country has a like, different rules on what you're allowed to do, where you're allowed to go. Mm. Um, right. Like well, how how restrictive is it for you? Spain
3: Spain and Italy are pretty similar. Uh, so far in Spain, though, we don't need to fill out a document before we leave the house. But it is a, a, the only things that are open are supermarkets, uh, fruit shops, bakeries, pharmacies, mm. uh, tobacco shops and they're not checking to see how many times we go out but they're telling us only go out for essential things so i might leave the house every five to seven days and i'll do the tobacco shop the bank and the supermarket all in the same trip mm. um we uh the parks are closed uh, you two uh only one person per vehicle is allowed oh, wow. so so uh, unless you're taking someone to the hospital Uh, you can't have more than one person in your vehicle so are the police
2: Um, like following you or watching like i don't don't...
3: um i haven't uh, let's see i've i've left maybe four times since this started and i haven't seen the police at all but my wife left uh early one one early in the lockdown she went out to get bread and she stopped at a restaurant to read a sign and the cop came up to her and said hey lady where are you going i (laughs) want to get Bread, and he says, "Well, you better make it snappy." And uh, when she came out of the bakery, he was still standing there, indicating to her that she had she had to go home, right?
1: Uh-huh.
3: Um, and in, but I, I mean, I'm in a neighborhood that seems to be respecting the rules. Uh, of course, there are other areas or neighborhoods or towns where that's not really the case, and the police are a little more aggressive, in some cases, too aggressive. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in Spain they have they've put. Uh, they've given out over 150,000 tickets. Oh, wow. uh, they've arrested wow. over a thou- They've arrested over a thousand people. It seems a little bit uh, over the top. Uh, Spain still has some leftovers from the fascist dictatorship in the 70s. Oh, wow. I don't know how 45 years later they still have authoritarian issues, but there are still some. Authoritarian <laughs> They're
2: like, we still love Franco, those good days. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, uh, I suppose in certain uh, professions like police, there might be a higher percentage of of those people with that attitude. I don't know. Real Madrid players, that kind of thing. (laughs) Right (laughs) No, So, so lockdown for us is uh, like my son hasn't left. Uh, I'm not supposed to be going out every day to buy. Oh, let me go get another thing. Oh, Oh, we don't have uh, salt today. Well, that's not true. We got salt or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really quite restrictive um, for us. Um, This 20 day, 24 perhaps for us, I think, Mm -hmm. And uh, we're starting to see a real big change in the number of new cases. It's dropped. Uh, I mean, we're no longer going up. Uh, We're still getting uh, six, seven, or 8,000 new cases a day, but we're not seeing 10 or 20% increments day on day. We're not seeing it double every three days as it was at the beginning. So Hmm. we're starting to, we're really starting to see uh, how the lockdown is affecting the the number of infections. Well, that's um, awesome. It is awesome. But just because it's... I mean, we're still getting 7,000 a day. Yeah.
2: 7,000
3: well, new cases it's a, a day. It can also Slow be process.
2: because yeah. you're also testing more. You're getting,
3: you know... Sure, sure. Now, uh, one thing about stats right now is that it's... We have no clue what this is like. And we don't know what it's going to be like. And every country is counting the deaths in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so I think it's going to be eight months or 12 months before statisticians really get in there and mm-hmm. pick all the numbers apart and see what kind of increases we've had in deaths and, and that right. kind of thing. So it's it's hard to say with the stats that we have now. I mean, I think in, in Germany, the death rate is like 1.8%. In Spain, it's still mm-hmm. around 10%, um, yeah. like in Italy. Mm-hmm. But that, that doesn't make sense in, in the long term. In the long run, more people fewer people will die and more people will get better and everybody will eventually have more or less the same, uh, mortality rate from this.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what about on a, on a personal level? How's the experience of of being indoors almost continuously for for three weeks? You said your son's doing just fine. You're you're (laughs) a, you're a creative guy. You're used to being out and about and, um, Engaging with people, performing that kind of thing. Uh, how how are you feeling? And have you been doing anything that you wouldn't normally have time to do? Have you found any new yeah. outlets for those energies?
3: Yeah. Well, actually, I hadn't missed. I hadn't been missing doing comedy until you just mentioned it, and now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm feeling really sad. Like I want to. I want to be I'm on so stage. I'm so sorry. No, that's oh, all right.
2: Oh, you did stand up. Yeah,
3: I do stand up and improv. And oh, that's and awesome. I, and I really enjoy the feeling of, of getting the response. So thanks for that, uh, Sam. <laughs> I'm, a, um,
2: I'm
0: a horrible, no. horrible host.
3: <laughs> well, you know, um, it, just like most everyone else, I had made my life so busy. You know, like busy, busy. Mm. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And blah. And I realized that uh, up until we were on lockdown, I hadn't really picked up a book this year. So I've yeah. gone back. to. I've done some leisure reading. Um, uh, I know that my per- everyone goes through the situation in their own way, and I find that personally, I feel more comfortable when I have more information. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a lot of people are trying to tune out or not pay attention, and but I'm just um, feeding my brain with all the data that I can find, and and all the stories and all the differences. And we have uh, family in northern Italy. We live in Spain. I have family in the United States. We've got friends all across the world. So it's really interesting to for me to kind of understand what situation is happening and what people are living through, you know. Yeah. Um, so I spend a lot of my free time just trying to stay on top of all the latest information as much as possible, because I find that that makes me feel more in control.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's it's like a it's like one of those shaving mirrors that you find in. Uh in hotel bathrooms that both reflect and magnify yeah. and I feel like everybody is learning about themselves, about their cultures, about other cultures and other people and you, you're finding really, you're being shown what people are like, magnified, amplified. Um, one personality trait that I always knew I had and I'm seeing it amplified on a on a large scale is my ability to talk and ramble on and have (laughs) long conversations (laughs) which which brings me to the fact that I'm I'm aware that we've been chatting for a good long time and it's the evening now in in Korea and we should probably bring this to an end I just want to thank both of you guys because this has been such an interesting conversation and were it not for time constraints I could I could quite happily talk for another hour
2: Such yeah there's people. so many things that i'm just like oh i should mention this about korea oh then what about this and oh this is what's going on too but you know it's 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 everything everyone can say the same thing about what's going on in italy and spain in the u.s and their own yeah. families and there's just so much to say
1: Is there there anything in particular you want, like, speak now or hold your peace until the next (laughs) time you can come on the podcast? And I I feel like, given what you've got going on in your life at the moment, that might be a while.
2: Um,
1: Is there anything you want to put out there? Um,
2: No, I'm just, I'm really happy that people are still finding, you know, a time to be creative, a time to share, a time to be loving towards each other. You know, like, some people are... You know, like, I, I honestly, I have friends, I have Facebook friends and real friends who are just, this is a hoax. This is a, you know, some liberal blah, blah, blah. This is, it's all fake. Uh, you know, like, they're, you know, you have no idea what's really going on behind the scenes. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um you know, like, so I, I have that type of, um,
3: it's really hard for me to, to communicate on a civilized level with a lot of those people. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And, I, I've been able to do it just like, well, here's facts that you won't read, but these are facts. Um, but you know, and my, my, my friends are like, why do you even spend all that time? They're not going to believe you. They're not going to listen to you. And I'm like, I need it for me. You know, I don't do it. For them but i need it for me like i need to see that there's a sense of truth for me that i still believe and that there is still a sense of like my family's important my friends are important i'm going to give them all the information that's true about what i'm seeing here in korea what we're doing what hopefully you guys are able to do you know i'm like i keep on telling like guys this is what you should do you know just wear the mask. I know everyone's saying don't wear the mask, but this is the reason why you should wear a mask. And they're like, oh, we're making masks. I'm like, yeah, I said that two months ago. And, you know, like... <laughs> yeah,
3: th- I mentioned it a little bit before, and I want to say it again. It seems like every country is trying to reinvent the situation. Like, we all have to learn the lessons ourselves. Like, we were yeah. teenagers, like pre-teens. Uh, I know that you told me that this is the best thing, but I'm not going to listen. And then yeah, and ev- eventually you learn the lesson really yourself. Oh, and in Spain or in Italy, where the de- death rate is is quite high, it's way frustrating. It is wait a minute? We don't have to wait to learn these lessons ourselves. We can just take some advice from people who are a little bit further along than we are. And yeah. the UK or the US also are falling into that. Yeah. So, it's, I, I don't. I
2: am. I am glad that people are listening. Like people are saying, okay we won't be like everyone else. We are going to take the step and be smart and we're going to be proactive and we're going to be more defensive. Uh, We're going to fight this rather than just like, we'll wait till it gets bad and then deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know? So I am, I am finding a, you know, that is a positive thing. You know, I am, I am finding hope in that. Like I keep on trying to think it will get better. People will start waking up and not think, Oh, this is just a, a thing that, china's going through <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah
1: right i i cannot in any way advance on that as a as a set of conclusions um thank you guys both so much for your time um daisha alicia said to me that you were an absolute star and it would be a pleasure to talk to you. she did not undersell you or, or oversell <laughs> you i should say in any way shape or form um best of luck over the next couple of weeks please yeah. keep me informed <laughs> yeah. keep us informed
2: yeah, yeah.
1: um we look forward to hearing some some good news from you mm-hmm.
2: um and dan, dan i hope you get to do some awesome stand-up i did stand-up uh eight years ago uh it was like a thing that i was into and i have a special place for stand-up comedians and improv it's a hard thing
3: why but, thank you yeah yeah, yeah. i I appreciate that. I really, <laughs> I really hope that we can get back up in some in some aspect or some way yeah. at some point. So, is
1: there is there any place we can suggest people check out to stay in touch with your
3: comedy in the meantime, Dan? Uh, not really, because I'm I'm so like focused on everything but comedy right at the moment. And sure. I, I wish. I I don't know if maybe next week or the week after I start going. Hey, wait! I'm gonna change my my style. You... I'm gonna come up with something.
1: <laughs> if you start if you start live streaming sets at uh 7 7 p.m every evening let us know and we'll
2: yeah right. out. I,
1: will. I will definitely it's, well, been, it's been lovely to catch up with you as well
3: man yeah uh thanks a lot for doing this this is a really great project and i'm i'm really enjoying listening to to everyone's experiences absolutely yeah, they're
2: amazing it's- every every country every story has been really nice to listen to i I listen to a couple before I go to sleep and I'm like oh man this is wild I can't Mm -hmm. believe we're going through this like we're living through this this is it's amazing
1: it's 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 genuinely my pleasure someone said to me yesterday it's gonna be interesting in ten years time to listen back to some of these and remember what we were going through and Mm -hmm. yeah I I, I'm I'm super excited to speak to all of you guys and to hear all these different stories and um, definitely helps give me a little bit of structure here where I am. So really, really appreciative. Speaking of appreciation, we finish every episode on a round of applause for everyone in the healthcare system all over the world who's helping keep us safe and well, and also people that we want to give a particular shout out to. Dan, have you got anyone in mind?
3: Well um I'll take advantage of this con- this moment and uh, applaud for new mothers and soon to be mothers who are changing their whole realities in in a situation in a world situation that is obviously very difficult. Uh, a lot of unknowns. I remember when when our son was born, there were a million and one unknowns and we didn't have a global pandemic happening. <laughs> At the same time, <laughs> so I'd like to give some support to mothers, <laughs> new mothers, and soon to be mothers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> We cross live to a soon to be mother. Uh,
2: <laughs> who's on
1: your mind at the moment, Stacia?
2: Um, I'm worried about my students. You know, like my students are college kids, and I know they're just kind of just. What am I supposed to do now? You know, they they especially in Korea everything is about like making good grades, doing really good, getting a right. job. And my friends in the states, their kids were looking forward to proms, ring dance, graduation and all that's kind of like out the door and they're just they don't know what to do. They, like what what's going to happen. I just feel really bad for them and I just hope that their parents just give them that security and hope and that their friends just like it's gonna be okay you know like we're all together we're all in this together don't worry about it like I really hope people just you know stay positive still be smart about what they're doing don't be like oh I'm just gonna have fun and just go on a spring break and hang out at the beach I'm young nothing's gonna hurt me but know that you know things will be better and they just have to be smart and just listen to Listen to science. Listen to facts. You know,
1: can't beat that. Can't beat that. And I'm going to give a shout out to a personal friend of mine, my uh, my partner in crime, running Global English Theatre, guy called Jolly, who right now is down with the sickness, as they say. He's <gasps> suffering in London, and I know he's uh, he's being taken care of well by his, his lovely housemate, but uh, he's having a tough time of it right now. Mm. I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to this, so. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll, he'll never know, but uh, but he's he's my thought for the day. So a huge uh, round of applause to both of you guys for coming on. To everyone who's listening and supporting the podcast. Reminder that you can stay in touch with us at Quarantine Pod on Twitter. Um, a round of applause to all people working in the medical profession. To new mothers and soon-to-be mothers, not least Daisha, all students, not least Daishas, and uh, <laughs> my buddy Jolly. Thank you so yep. much, guys. Let's give him a round of applause. Take care.